The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. The New Year 2017 for Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. This is Season 4, believe it or not. Shout out to our sponsor at SAP, Ira Burke, wherever you're traveling. We have a great show today, so let me get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome means we have three guests on the panel. What's the buzz on the street today? Well, I have a quote from a gentleman named Parker Trewin at Aria Systems. Here's the quote. The IoT, Internet of Things, is big news because it ups the ante. Reach out and touch somebody is becoming reach out and touch everybody. Everything. So what are we talking about today? Well, last year we saw a lot of Internet of Things innovations, and they made their presence felt in a big way. You've probably at least watched a conversation or heard about one with Alexa. Rumor has it that people actually think Alexa is so human, they're proposing to her. I know, I know. So now what? Let's get back from away from the fun and games to the serious stuff. IoT promises to keep changing the world this year, and some people say it could be the biggest year yet for innovations in Internet of Things. We're talking sensors. We're talking connectivity. We're talking a lot of data. So what are the questions that come to mind that we're going to answer today? Which new technologies will have the biggest impacts on business, industry, the world, our daily lives? And which industries will be impacted the most? And also, how deeply will big data analytics and machine learning, there's a buzzword for you, embed themselves in our daily lives? We have a great panel lined up. Let me just just tell you who they are, and then we'll start. First up, we'll be welcoming back a lady who hasn't been on in a long time, Maribel Lopez, founder of Lopez Research. She's joined on the panel by Ronan, middle name Zero, Schwartz, managing partner at SQRL Solutions and author of the Android Developer's Cookbook. And rounding out the panel is Brian Katz, director of mobile strategy for EUC in the office of the CTO for VMware. We'll be talking to all of them in a moment. So Maribel Lopez sent me the following quote from the esteemed Sir Winston Churchill. Let's see what the quote is. The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Maribel Lopez, Happy New Year. How have you been? I've been wonderful. Very excited to be here, Bonnie. Very happy to have you here. Been way too long, so we're delighted to welcome you back. Tell me something. You're a big fan of Sir Winston Churchill, and how are we relating? We're talking about, really, predictions for IOP this, IOT this year. How are we relating this quote about pessimist and difficulty and opportunity to IOT? Talk to me, Maribel. I think there's a lot of opportunity, but I think there's a lot of fear. And I think that in order for IoT to be successful, companies have to plan and they have to get over the fear and jump in and do some things. 
Okay. And who is fearful about this? Who are the companies who need to be jumping over that fear, Maribel? Give me a little more. Well, if you look at IoT, there's a lot of concern about IoT security breaches with all this new data that's coming about, hacking your home, uh, hacking your business. So I think that leads a lot of people to step back and say, I don't want to connect anything. And really the approach should be to figure out, well, how do I connect things safely and securely at the outset to get over that fear and to actually take advantage of the opportunity? So the pessimist will say, let's shut this down. And the optimist will say, well, let's try to find a way that we can make this work safely and securely so that we can do things better. Okay. Is it is this a responsibility for getting past that fear in the eye of excuse me the eye of the beholder the consumer the the personal consumer Maribel is it in the eye of the beholder in corporations and saying what sensors we're not ready for that too much hacking too many privacy issues we don't want to get in the middle of that battle who who's who is targeted for getting over that fear this year any any particular source you want to talk to I think it's. I think it's fair all up and down the stack, but I think it starts with making sure that we can build something interesting with IoT so the consumer can consume it. And then the consumer has to decide that they're okay with um, the, the, that they're okay and that they can manage the privacy and security risks around that. Alexa is a great example of that, right? So is Alexa something that you have to worry about because it listens all the time? Or is Alexa something that is a wonderful thing for your world? You can take two different approaches on that. Thank you very much, Maribel. Pleasure to have you back. We have a lot to talk about with you, and let's go to our second panelist today. He's Ronan Zero Schwartz at SQRL Solutions. As I said, he's the author of the Android Developer's Cookbook, and Ronan has sent us a quote from Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett, a very interesting character, lived from 1948, a year that's near and dear to me, to 2015. He was an English author of fantasy novels, especially comical works, best known for his disc work. D-I-S-C-W-O-R-L-D, one-word series of 41 novels. And it turns out that number 32 was called, or is called, A Hat Full of Sky. Interestingly enough, after his first novel was published in 1983, he wrote two books a year. Oh, my goodness. And some of his books began, one of his books sold 55,000 copies in the first three days. So let's get to this magical quote from A Hat Full of Sky. Quote, it's still magic even if you know how it's done. Ronan, welcome back. How have you been? Good, very good. Um, glad to be back. Thank you. Talk to me about this quote, and are you a big fan of uh, Terry Pratchett? Oh, actually, I am. I think I have really read all of his books. Um, this is, I like what, what, I, what I think is, makes it interesting is... Um, this quote about IoT that as someone who's really working closely with technology um, all the time, I still get those, I still find those things that are so astonishing and surprising to me every day that um, from from the standpoint of, I don't know, 100 years back, that would have been magic. And even though I know it's technology and what all the little bits are that make it actually work, it's still a marvelous thing to watch sometimes. 
Okay, and tell me something. How magic? Do you think it's the magical aspect of IOP that, as Maribel said, is is scaring some people? That it's something they don't understand. What do you mean sensors are connecting everything? I don't care if my refrigerator knows when the milk is almost out. I don't care if my doctor needs to have that information. Uh, do you think it's that that element of magic that is the scary part for people? Uh, it definitely can be. I mean, there's. Um we have we're at the point where the technology can help us so much without us even interacting with it um, that it has a huge potential to to bring change upon upon uh, everyone. But on the same hand, you know, we lose we have to give up a certain sort of control. Um, and every time you lose control, it, it's scary. It is indeed scary. We'll be talking about that in our predictions, and that's what we're talking about today. Thank you very much. And let's go to our third panelist, Brian Katz, who has also been on before, but not for a while. Brian is the Director of Mobile Strategy in the office of the CTO for VMware. And Brian sent me a quote that most of the Internet thinks has an unknown source. We could say an anonymous source, but I found somebody to whom it was attributed. The source I found is Aubrey de Grey, D-E-G-R-E-Y. Uh, Aubrey David Nicholson Jasper de Grey, born in 1963, is an English author and biomedical gerontologist, the chief science officer of the SENS Research Foundation. Here's the quote. I think a lot of you will find it familiar. Um, maybe you won't. Don't cling to a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it. Brian Katz, Happy New Year to you and welcome. How have you been? I've been doing great, Bonnie. It is awesome to be back on your show and thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm awesome to have you. I feel awesome to have you here, and we have to do a shout-out to Ira Burke, who invited you, and we're delighted. So tell me something. Forgive me for attributing this to Aubrey de Grey. I just wanted to have a name on it. What does this have to do with our conversation about IoT, Brian? Well, you know, if you look at it, and, you know, last time you had me on, we were talking about mobile, and people go so fast. And you heard Maribel mention it um, in um, her introduction. People are going so fast and then they're pulling back so fast because they're afraid of either making mistakes or they make a mistake and it's once bitten, twice shy. And they don't realize that IoT has really been around for decades. And people like GE and other companies have been using it to censor their machines. The industrial IoT is something that people use. And... Nowadays, we attribute it to let's connect everything, and there's a consumer side of it. It's everything from your refrigerator to Alexa to other stuff, and yet there's no security around it in some cases, and people are trying to figure out, how do I really use this stuff, and how do you get there, and how do I avoid those mistakes, and once I make that mistake, how do I get out of it? And that's one of the reasons why I chose that quote, that we see people who get so caught up in the past and those mistakes that they don't realize that you still got to keep moving forward. you got to figure out how to use things and how to help people. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I think helping people is probably one of the keys to this whole thing because if we invent stuff, hopefully it'll help somebody somewhere. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is the three of you, Maribel Lopez, Ronan. Am I calling you zero or you want to be called Ronan, Mr. Schwartz? What's your preference today? That's totally up to you. I'm probably totally fine with people calling me zero. 
Okay, zero. Well, zero is a real plus. You're a real plus to the panel. And Brian Katz, of course. So let's talk about, uh, I'd like to know, to start off the new year here on this season four of our series, Internet of Things with Game Changers, I'd love to know where you're each calling from and what's in your cup today. That's our segment on all of our, our Game Changers shows. But more important, perhaps, what were you drinking on New Year's Eve that made you look forward to a sparkling year ahead? Maribel, where are you and what's in your cup or what was in your cup on okay. December 31st. I am calling in from the fair rainy land of San Francisco where we've had rainmageddon. Uh, I am currently drinking a protein smoothie that my husband thought was healthier than my normal cup of coffee uh, for the new year because it's only in the 7 a.m. time frame here. And on New Year's, I was actually drinking a lovely bottle of silver oak, so, which is oh. a good one. So. Sounds delightful. Thank you very much. And Zero, I want to call you plus one. Zero, what were you drinking? Where were you today? Oh, I'm calling in from uh, Frankfurt, Germany. Um, cold and gray today, but uh, still getting warmer. Um, and, yeah, I had a, a nice nice espresso. So um, I get my espresso from a, from a local roastery. Uh, which is just a few few hundred meters away from me. Um, family-run business, been around for almost 100 years, and they make the best coffee in town, definitely. So if you're in Frankfurt, go to Wismüller. They rule. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much. Interesting. And Brian Katz, where are you, and what's in your cup either today or New Year's Eve? Well, I'm calling in from northern New Jersey where it is supposed to go up to 60 degrees today. You can't tell that it is January uh, 12th, I guess it is, <laughs> yes. um, which, which seems a little weird to be that warm. Um, and I actually just finished a uh, protein shake and moved on to my uh, normal Coke Zero that you normally hear me call in with. And on New Year's Eve, I actually had some uh, sparkling apple cider. Oh, very, very interesting. Was there a buzz in that sparkle, or was it uh, the non-alcoholic kind? Uh, It was non-alcoholic this time. Okay, sounds very, very interesting. And you're drinking zero, and we have zero on the panel. Maribel, we're going to have to come up with a number for you, too. We are going to be talking today, looking into the crystal ball. Those of you who follow our main flagship series, Coffee Break with Game Changers, know that I am approaching next week the fifth episode of our 2017 Predictions Special with 80 thought leaders sharing two minutes' worth of predictions over the course of five shows. But we decided, Ira Burke decided, for this opening of his season four that we're going to specifically look at the thought leaders predictions for IOT. So we're honing in on something very specific today. We're speaking with Maribel Lopez, Ronan Zero Schwartz and Brian Katz. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we will start the roundtable. A lot to talk about. We're going to talk about AI, probably a little AR and VR I'm guessing. Alexa's going to come up in the conversation and of course the Internet of Things. So regarding how, regardless of whether you're sensitive to the idea of sensors in your life or you're a big business saying, what can we do for our customers and how can we bring in better quality data for more data points? Well, we're going to be exploring all of that. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael out. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. We are here, Internet of Things with Game Changers, and we're speaking with Maribel Lopez, Ronan Zero Schwartz, and Brian Katz. We're kicking off the roundtable right now with some notes from Maribel Lopez. She'll talk for a couple minutes, and then we're going to, yes, and then we're going to have Ronan Zero and Brian comment on that, and then we'll go through some of their comments. So Maribel told me in her notes before the show, Internet of Things and AI, artificial intelligence, are not new concepts. So you have to ask yourself, what's different now? And she adds in the past five years, we've made significant strides in three areas that help these two thrive. I'm going to let Maribel expand us and tell us more. Go ahead. Okay. So um, I would say that, um, so it's true. You know, Brian actually mentioned this before when he was talking about GE and M2M, which was sort of the precursor to IoT. You know, that was I at least started talking to people about that in the 2000s, so that's been around for a while. If you look at this concept of AI that seems kind of um, new, exciting, and scary all at the same time to people, you know, we've been talking about that since the 60s. So some of the things that have changed that have made this work, though, is if you look at IoT, we now have cheaper sensors. Sensors could have been $10,000, and now you can get them from, you know, $5 to $50. Wow. That's a big change in a lot of sensors, right? Then we had... Poor wireless connectivity before, and now we have great wireless connectivity comparatively to when we first tried to do IoT. So there's a lot of different wireless network options that people can use, and the cost of those options are much better. So that's another thing that makes IoT feasible today that wasn't in the past. Um, And then the third thing that happened is that we now have these big data analytics, storage, and processing tools that allow us to take all that data, analyze it in near real-time or real-time and do something with it so that we can make the IoT interesting and so that it can actually do things for us. So those are three big changes that have allowed us to actually come into IoT. And some of those big data and processing and analytics tools are also being married with something you mentioned earlier, which is this machine learning, so that we can actually not just have humans try to figure everything out, but try to create some patterns and uh, some connections that we didn't think about before as a result of this. So pretty exciting times in the whole uh, IoT space, given that we now have a foundation to allow us to do sort of breakthrough innovation. Thank you, Maribel. Before I bring in Ronan and Brian, I just want to ask you a question. You said sensors, $5 to $50. What kind of sensors are we talking about here? Um, well, you know, you ha- you're, you're carrying one around right now, I'm sure of it, right? Anybody that has a mobile phone has a device that has 
a gazillion sensors in it. It's got an accelerometer, so it knows if you tilt. It has a um, GPS chip in it, so you know where you are. Uh, if you look at other devices, it could be temperature sensors, humidity sensors, uh, vibration sensors. So there's lots of different things that, you you know, you could really sensor something up. Um, if you look at something like an aircraft, you're looking at something that has hundreds of sensors in it, right? And sometimes multiples of the same type of sensor. So uh, really lots of different sensors. But we talked about having trains that you would have to hardwire them, hardwire the sensor to them, and that was thousands and thousands of dollars. So the world's a different place now. The sensors are cheaper, the wiring technology is cheaper, and certainly the connectivity is cheaper. So. Thank you very much. Cheaper, more affordable, more accessible, and then the big questions come up. Let's see what Ronan has to say about this. Ronan, thoughts thoughts on Maribel's idea here? Um. Well, yeah, she's 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 right. I mean, sense, prices of sensors and prices of electronics is constantly dropping. Um, one one of my favorite things is you can find an um, Arduino mini platform on uh, on the internet now for two dollars, um, and that runs that runs a thirty-two megahertz processor or something. So that's really that's really really powerful in a really small package and. Um, we're just we're just at the point where where we're starting to to explore what we actually can do uh, with really powerful tiny computers, um, and and they're so they're, they're becoming so cheap that it's partly throwaway technology. So we can just build a sensor, deploy it somewhere, and then leave it there, collecting all the data. And once it breaks, we just replace it. Okay, thank you very much. Brian Katz, thoughts, please. Do you agree with all of this about it's already been here, but because of the cost going down, we're seeing major changes in usefulness and use cases? Absolutely, absolutely, because, you know, if you look at it, you can now buy a Raspberry Pi for $20 or a little bit less. You can actually hook it up to, you can hook up to a monitor and everything else, but the Pi itself, which is a self-contained circuit board, is $20. You can get a BeagleBone and a couple other computers and things that are about the size of a quarter. So Intel actually has a little circuit board that they're using for IoT that you can use, um, and it's the size of a quarter, and that's mm-hmm. your whole computing. And when you start taking that, and you can put that in, and that costs you $15, $20. You buy it in bulk, you can get it for 5 or $10. And then you're putting sensors in there. You can actually put these anywhere you want. And the question becomes, what don't you censor versus what do you censor? And then how do you use that data? Because they, that's the big deal. Once you figure out what you're censoring and everything else, and Maribel is completely right that it's been here a long time, it's how do I actually get data from that and actually take action on it? So, you know, just collecting data and censoring everything doesn't help us get where we need to be if we can't actually take action on it. And Thank hopefully very- automate those actions. I have to ask you, what's the name of your dog? <laughs> oh, that's standing in the background. I apologize. We, I shut the door. Um, I, I, as I don't need sensors to know when someone's near the house because Bandit's kind enough to let me know. <laughs> so, I had to acknowledge you know, it. Now, he cost me in food, so it's a little more than a one-time sensor, but, you know, it works. You know, they always say in, in stand-up comedy, Brian, uh, if, there, if there's an elephant in the room, 
acknowledge whatever it is because that that way people say, I hear a dog. What's going on? Yes, we know there's a dog somewhere nearby. Hello to Bandit. Welcome to Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. Maribel, I'm going to circle back to you and ask if you have any comments on what your co-panelists shared, and then we'll move on to a topic from Ronan. Go ahead, Maribel. I think that um, Brian was just circling on something um, really new. So I talked about some of the things that changed that were sort of existing things. He was actually pulling out some of the things that I guess you could say computing was existing, but we've made these real, well, not me and, and Brian, but you know some other companies have made some of these really great small little computing, very powerful computing chips that can be used now to connect everything. And that's a big difference than from before, because from before you had larger devices and they didn't have as much processing power. You know, you could go back to what was the processing power that landed us on the moon kind of thing versus what is the processing power that we have today and the form factor that we have it in today. And I think that that's allowing us to really think more about how we can take increasingly smaller things but make them um, more intelligent. So I have this I have this concept that just because it's connected, it doesn't mean it's smart, right? So you can make something connected, but to make it smart, it has to have sort of the right processing power and be able to run software and apps and security software and all this other stuff. So that's my take on on what everybody said is sort of just another click of you know, why that aspect's important. I think you just said something so very quotable, Maribel. Just because something is connected does not make it smart. I think that's probably the mantra for the show today. Even though we're talking about predictions for IoT, but that's probably the the watchword. I would like to say. So I'm going to tweet that one out. Thank you very much. Let's look at some notes here from Ronan Zero Schwartz at SQRL Solutions. Ronan told me in his notes. Let's see here. He says 2017 will see the first generation of IoT devices be become obsolete with 2G being phased out in Switzerland and Australia low end connections will be gone for good tell us more Ronan this sounds very interesting where are they going to just go bye bye instantly and be replaced or will they be fond memories we'll talk about in our memoirs what's going to happen well actually it shouldn't have come as a surprise that 2G has been, is being phased out because we have if we would have been listening, we would have been told two years ago that this is coming, but nobody really realized what that means. So um, now we're just pulling the plugs on 2G connectivity. So that means if you're still using one of those 15-year-old Nokia phones, it just stops working. Um, if, you're, if you're relying on, on a data connection running over 2G, um, which, of course, is a very small bandwidth, but still enough to transmit uh, small sensor data things or something, it just stops. There will be no more connectivity. Uh, so all, all the small or all the sensor types that have been deployed, everything that, that is relying on, on 2G, uh, just suddenly stops working. And um, I suspect we won't be able to find all those and, and upgrade those. So um, this is... This is an interesting test run and then seeing how, um, how how we keep up with, with uh, changing requirements from the outside but we're not really able to control like uh, new uh, new, protoc- new protocols coming in and older protocols going away um, which we, we couldn't even suspect when, when the first things like those were designed so um, this is really really like I don't know what's going to happen with all those old devices, 
but it's something I want to watch very closely but because the way we handle those will give and an, to seeing what works in replacing those or, or upgrading those things that will give us um, an insight on how to to build strategies for doing this in the future because we can't rely on uh, certain technologies to be a lot, um, around forever so we have to prepare and, and here's the here's the, the Small, smaller uh, test group, so to say, uh, to see mm-hmm. how we do this. Thank you. Very interesting. I think that's kind of provocative. Brian Katz, what do you have to say? Comments, please. Well, I have to agree there because what we're actually seeing is that in machine to machine, so this is different from the consumer technology, but a lot of the machine to machine stuff uh, that has been connected up to now has used 2G. 2G was more ubiquitous cheaper and easier to deploy and it's been around for you know 30 years now and so the fact that you could use that and actually use that for data is a big deal but what you're seeing happen is nations are trying to pull back their airways and use them for other applications and being able to push more data through it so that will become that is a problem for machine to machine and you actually see one or two countries that are actually trying to do it very quickly Australia being one of them um, on the other hand, I think there are also other things that are becoming obsolete. Certainly on the consumer side, if you look at the first set of devices that came out two, three years ago, the beginning of what consumers think of as IoT, a lot of those, those companies have gone out of business. They've been mm-hmm. sold. Stuff's been obsoleted. You know, I had a fitness band that you know, the company went out of business. They just don't do it. They changed their business. Um, I had another device where the company said, this doesn't make sense for us, and you know, and no play on words there with sense and sensor. But you know, mm-hmm. there are people who this is nascent. So certainly on the consumer side, you see people taking a shot at it, seeing what happens. You know, you saw a lot of news out of CES last week. You know, things like the connected hairbrush, which I have no idea what you'd use it for, <laughs> and what it really, you know. As Maribel said, just because it's connected, it isn't necessarily smart. It's how we take that data and act on it. And on the machine-to-machine side, you certainly see more in business and you know, what people like to call industrial IoT or IIoT, which is those are machines that have been connected for a while. For example, um, GE jet engines, Rolls-Royce jet engines, and how they work and what you can take and do with them. And so that becomes interesting. But if they're on 2G, Ronan's right. You have an issue. Interesting. Of course, you know, Brian, I had to look this up, and it was L'Oreal's Smart Hairbrush. Uh, this was written uh, January 6th by the Fortune staff at People.com. Interestingly enough, L'Oreal thinks your hairbrush could be a little smarter. The French cosmetics and beauty giant this week, last week obviously, will debut a connected smart hairbrush called the Kerastase Hair Coach at CES 2017 in Vegas. The device is a brush that comes with sensors that L'Oreal promises will measure the quality of a user hair as well as the effects of hair care routines. The gadget will retail for quote under $200 unquote US dollars and be available this fall at hair salons as well as online. We really want to think about what the connected bathroom oh dear will look like. That was my oh dear. Will look like in the future for the beauty industry. Uh, Guive Balouche, VP of L'Oreal's tech incubator told Fortune in an interview. Maribel are you rushing to buy a connected airbrush? Uh, well, with my hair, maybe I should be, but somehow I don't think that's going to fix the problem. 
<laughs> I was not casting any aspersions. Issue, right? Your picture shows that you have beautiful hair, so I'm, I'm not saying anything about that. Any comments from you on uh, on what Ronan's talking about, the first generation of IoT devices becoming obsolete? Maribel? I, I think he really hit on, in, on something for now, but also you know how history repeats itself. So this is happening in 2G. Um, many things are being coded for 3G. We're already talking about 5G. You've got to imagine by the time we get to 2020, maybe we're at 20G. Who knows? But um, this this is something that will continue to happen, and I think it's a real challenge for organizations that are thinking about putting thousands and thousands of things to make sure that they understand what the upgrade path might look like or what the changes could be to that. You know, if a network changes and you can no longer have your devices talking to each other, that's a big deal. You have to change out all of those device connectivity options to be something else. So this gets into, you know, one of the one of the biggest issues with IoT now is trying to plan for today, but also trying to plan for some longevity because things are moving so fast. Things Things aren't the way they used to be where, you know, you had an environment that lasted for 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, many Mm -hmm. of us are roaming around with PCs that still access mainframe software. I think when you look at what's going on with IoT, um, we're starting in a different place and it moves very fast. So we're having software that will be constantly iterated. We'll have networks that will constantly change. We'll have new features that constantly come out. And that's a big burden, but a big opportunity if we do the right planning. So I think Ronan hit it. You know, we're seeing it in 2G now. We're going to see this happen again and again. So now that we see it happening now, we have the opportunity to plan for it in the future. It shouldn't be a surprise. Thank you very much. Ronan, I'm going to give you a chance to wrap this one up before I move on to something very is equally as provocative in Brian's notes. Ronan? Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think what... what um, what, what, what would be the best strategy, um, or what I hope would, would emerge as one of the strategies, is that we're building more modular. So um, knowing that things will change very quickly, we should, we should focus on, on building designs that are able to change with the time um, without driving the cost of, of, of the change and actually of upgrades to high. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, innovations here will, will be made in open source. Um, made available to the public so that uh, community can can improve and iterate on it. Um, and I also hope that we see more modular hardware coming up that uh, we can see uh, things replaced very quickly. Uh, there's this uh, wonderful design of a phone that just has a backbone and you can flip out the camera and you can flip out the processor and uh, that, that Google showed uh, last year. And I hope, really hope that we see more things like that because this will save us, uh, or this is one way of saving us the trouble of uh, not knowing how to upgrade. Thank you very much. All very interesting comments. Brian Katz, I'm looking at your notes here, and something goes back to part of my introduction. I think we have to talk about voice. Everybody's talking about voice, and we had, uh, what was it? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, yes, on yesterday's prediction show, my colleague at SAP, David Fowler, said the following. He predicted, uh, what was it called? Bluetooth thinking 
for 2017 where you don't even have to give a voice command. You can just think it and your device will find it or do it. I find that very scary. But let's talk about voice. Let's just keep this at a more real basis where we have a little control. You say voice, while becoming more popular, will not be the new interface. Interesting prediction, Brian Katz. We're seeing the rise of voice, of course, with Alexa, Cortana, Siri, and Google Assistant. But they function mostly as a personal assistant that is not very smart. The technology behind voice will become important as bots are the rise of the machines. Tell us more, please, Brian. Very interesting. Sure. You know, we see a lot of, you know, if you looked at CES last week, everything could connect to Alexa. And voice is great as a personal assistant, and it's great in the home. But certainly when you're getting into business and you have a lot of open offices and everything else, if everybody's talking to their assistant at once, how does the assistant know who to listen to? Is everybody wearing a headset? How are these commands interpreted? And in reality, if you spend a lot of time in front of a screen, you may want to use the keyboard more often. And so the question becomes, it doesn't mean that voice isn't going to be there and isn't going to be big, but it's the technology, the machine learning, and the AI that's behind voice that we're working on that really become, you know, text input isn't going to go away. Screens aren't going to go away. That doesn't, you know, voice becomes really popular when you don't have a screen. I mean, you don't need a screen. So, you know, if you think about it, you're in a car, you're in your kitchen, you want to turn the heat up, something else. That's important. But similar to what you said about, you know, Bluetooth thinking and all, when a person, when somebody badges into an industrial complex or, what, you know, a manufacturing site, it's great if they know who that person is and they know what their job is so they can get, they can make things ready for them. There's AI behind that making decisions, and people can choose how they're going to interact. And voice isn't always going to be the best answer, just like text isn't always going to be the best answer. You know, we hear a lot about driving. You shouldn't be looking at a screen. Voice is perfect mm-hmm. there. Yes. But on the other hand, if you are looking at a screen and there are a bunch of people around you, voice becomes distracting. And so how you interact and the stuff that's behind there becomes much more important. That's where you see we're talking about bots and how the technology that's behind voice really becomes the bot, the bot technology that's powered by AI and machine learning. Very interesting. Thank you. Maribel, I'm circling around the table to you. Love to get your thoughts on voice. When is it good? When is it not so good? And what about the rise of the machines? Agree or disagree? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hate to go with the rise of machines because it's sort of polarizing <laughs> humanity as a concept. I think of Skynet and all sorts of other bad things. Um, but I do think that, you know, if we look at the reality of it, the machines are actually, you know, they're there is a role for machine learning that can help us get over some seriously mundane tasks. I think we as humans have to up our game and do more interesting things than just the mundane tasks. But to to Brian's point about voice, um, I'm of of two minds on voice. I don't disagree with anything he said. I, I agree with everything he said. The one thing I would say, though, is that I'm finding that companies, by and large, are underestimating voice. Um, I've had no number of, a uh, large number of discussions where people have sort of poo-pooed the concept of Alexa because they can't comprehend how speaking to something would work and how you would learn to speak to something and why that would be useful. And I, I guess I would say that I think um, 
Brian's right. As a digital assistant, it's perfect. I use Alexa all the time. I've tried to create the Internet home because I'm an Internet of Things analyst. So I'm controlling all kinds of things. I'm turning up heat. I'm uh, setting timers. I'm turning off lights. I'm doing great things with it. I absolutely love it. I started asking things for it. But, you know, if you'd asked me before I bought it, if I needed it, I would have said no. So I think it's a really good example of if we look as an interface, I think that um, where we are now, we used to have very keyboard, touchpad kind of experience. Now we can actually touch our screens. That was the first big change. And now we're going to be able to talk to our apps and services. Not all the time, not everywhere, but to Brian's point, there's, there's points where it makes sense. And I can even see in a business, you know, there's certain points where if you're using, say, an augmented reality app or you're doing a field service repair and your hands are not free, being able to talk to your application or service is a good thing. But if you're sitting in an office environment, an open-air pit of 50 people, you don't want everybody barking at their PC. So I think there's a time and place for it, but I encourage everybody to think about how an experience or a workflow could be improved with voice and how you should do that. Interesting point, uh, Maribel. Before I get Ronan to chime in on this one, obviously very provocative and uh, a thoughtful responses from all of you. I'm wondering, you said obviously in a workplace where you have cubicles or physical proximity of, of spaces, maybe especially in a not cubicle environment, how do you see it working to help with easing the, the tasks, the processes, if voice means something is audible and could interrupt somebody else? Would there be a booth where you go in and, and give your commands to your, your um, voice assistant and then the next person will go into the booth and do theirs? How would that work? I, I think we're in a process now where we're constantly relearning etiquette and etiquette is constantly changing, right? So people take all sorts of phone calls in weird places that they shouldn't be taking them, and I think they've gone a bridge too far there. And I think we're going to see the same thing with people talking to their technology in places they shouldn't be doing it. And I think they'll probably set up something, okay, here's where you can go and speak to things or, you know, keep your voice down or use a headset or, you know, things like that. So if you're using a headset, it's actually not that bad because it's easier for you to talk in a normal voice. And people are talking in these cubicles on the phone. So it won't be that different. I think it will be annoying, but I think we're going to have to, this is going to, stretch our cultural boundaries a little bit. That's, that's the negative side. I think the real positive side, though, is we're not talking about how this can actually um, improve work. Sometimes it's, com- sometimes it's complicated to learn what the features are in your technology and how to use them, and you might mm-hmm. discover something by just being able to speak to them and say, you know, can you open this? Can you do this? Like, I think of... Um, Adobe Illustrator all the time. It's a really complex product for somebody to use um, until you really dig into it. Well, can all that information be surfaced easier if you just speak to it? There's an opportunity for that to happen. So I think that's what we need to think about. Very interesting. I like the idea of pushing boundaries and etiquette. And yes, you are right. There are so many places people use voice access on the phone, especially. Come on, in the theater, in the movie, it, 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 waiting on a line in the city for something, and you hear somebody having this incredible conversation. You don't want any part of it. It's like, please take it outside, far away. People just don't realize how how audible their voice is when they're speaking to their phone or to their voice assistant. I appreciate that. Ronan, love to get your thoughts on this. You can talk about etiquette and behavior and or anything about the, the rise of the machines. What's on your mind, Ronan? Uh, well, actually, 
I've never been so convinced about voice interaction, but that's purely my personal anecdotal um, data here because it never works for me. Um, I know it works for a lot of people, but I try talking to Google Assistant or to Alexa or something. It always comes out wrong, but probably because uh, from the, ta the town I come from, we have a very thick accent. Um, so, but, but what I love about it is that it is the way it answers back. So um, I think the conversational part is, is what really makes this interesting. Um, even if I, if I type it in by text and it, it answers me back by speech on a, on a, while I'm wearing a headset or something, um, mm -hmm. I start having a conversation with, with the machine or with the service. Um, and that's, that's, in a way, a different interaction model than just clicking on things. And um, in some, in some, sometimes this is much easier to do. Um, like saying, I, I want to have a pizza, and it, and it knows where I usually order and, 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 and just what I like from historical data, and it just does that, for instance. Um, and and, and it, some, some things can be explained in a, in a conversation the way they can be explained in code or in, uh, in, in, in text or in a, in a small graphic. And finally, we're, we're seeing that um, this, this all coming together and this giving us new ways of interacting with machines and um, hopefully better ways of doing this. And I'm really curious on where, where, is, where it is going. I think we're all curious where it's going. Thank you very much. Brian, I'm going to give you a chance to wrap this one up, and then I think we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round on specific predictions from each of you. We're just going to circle around the table a few times rather than waiting for the last five minutes of the show. So, Brian, wrap this one up for me. Yeah, I, you know, they both bring up great points. I, th You know, it wasn't saying that voice is dead. It's more, as Ronan put it, it's a new way to interact. I think that conversational piece is great because I think – People don't want to type, I want a pizza in, and expect the computer to answer, whereas it's much easier to say, I'd like a pizza in voice. But what's really interesting is what's happening in the background, the machine learning and how, you know, and Maribel wrote a book about um, right-time experiences, and it's contextual computing. How, the how AI and machine learning is actually learning about us and learning how to deliver the data that we want and need when we need it. Ronan mentioned, I want a pizza. It knows where I like to order my pizza from. It knows what my normal toppings are. It can see where I am, so it can make sure that you know, I can get it at the right time or it's around lunchtime. It may suggest it. And though, you know, so there's a whole continuum here of A, interaction, which is what Maribel was talking about, everything from voice to text, um, and some of that's going to come, you know, yes, with headsets, you can see her happening, you know, from the movie Her and the like of that. But it's also the technology behind it that enables it to learn what you want, what you need, and deliver you the information you need. So automating those tasks so that you can actually be more efficient, get more of the stuff you want to get done done, and less of the time looking up the mundane and doing those sorts of things. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Brian. Maribel, let's start our predictions round early. I'd like to get one or two predictions from each of you. Let's do one at a time. So, Maribel, I'm looking at your notes, and, and you talk about contextual services. You think it's largely untapped, the information that mobile and IoT will provide, sensor data to allow companies to understand and react. So let's get a prediction from you on the value of context, contextual services, and how that's going to work in 2017. Maribel? Okay, so... 
I'm going to put a stake in the ground, and thanks, Brian, for remembering that I wrote a book, and actually it was a really good lead-in to this. So I believe that 2017 will be the year that we start um, contextual services in earnest. We've been talking about it a lot. We've had a lot of data. We've got a lot of devices now. But I really think um, you know, some of the advances that we've seen in machine learning and deep learning, some of the new cloud services that are coming up that are allowing businesses to do analytics without buying all the infrastructure, being able to use the cloud to do some of that, I think that these will allow people to scratch the surface at providing some contextual-based services on IoT and mobile data. Thank you very much. Let's go to a prediction from Ronan. Have you got one for me? Uh, let's talk about IoT security. We, we haven't really touched on that. I think I dropped the buzzword privacy in there somewhere. But what do you think is going to happen with IoT security in 2017, Ronan? Yeah, um, this, this is, will be one of the hardest and, 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 and problems to figure out. But it's, it's becoming more and more of a really hot topic because... Um, if you're innovating really fast, like most startups do in, in IoT space right now, uh, sometimes you just drop thinking about security because it takes a lot of time to, to get it really right. Um, and that leaves us with a multiplied um, surface of, of attack. Um, and, and I think we, we're going to see starting companies specializing on IoT security and we're going to come up with new uh, new con- uh, concepts on, on how to make sure that the things we're, we're throwing out into the field are, are secure enough. Um, uh, and, and that, of course, we're going to see more attacks like the Mirai one, where security cameras, thousands of security cameras, uh, were running CDOS attack on uh, some, some blocks. So um, I think we, we will uh, see more of that and have to live with some of the oversight of the past and be prepared on, on how to mitigate those attacks. But uh, also we will learn how to, how to deal with it and uh, be able to handle it better in the future. Thank you very much. Brian Katz, you're up. You want to talk about self-driving cars? I see a prediction here in your notes. What would you like to talk about? Well, I think we're going to hear a lot more about self-driving cars. Um, obviously, everybody and their brother is... Uh, investing in everyone from Mercedes to Ford to Chrysler, you know, you name it, go through them. I think you're going to see a lot more advancement from Tesla just for the fact that it has so many cars on the road and every one of them is enabled with autopilot. So it's actually gathering data from real world users and then comparing it to what the car would do versus what the human did. And that gives them a big lead in human intelligence and self-driving. But if you looked at CES and a lot of the announcements out there, you actually see Intel's gotten big into it. Um, you see NVIDIA and AMD that are moving into it. So we're going to see a lot on it. I don't think we're going to really see self-driving cars for another two, three years. And then the real question is, how long does it take legislation to catch up to it? Mm. So how long until we can figure out how we legislate it and how we actually get around some of the problems with it. So, you know, Uber had an issue with their self-driving cars that it wasn't reading bicycles properly and when to make a turn. And the way street, you know, if you think about it, with self-driving cars, you don't really need stoplights. You don't need these other things, but you need them because you have pedestrians and everything else. So how do we fit all this together and make it work and make them work properly? 
Appreciate that very much, Maribel. I'm going to circle around to you, and I think there's something we have to talk about. The D word didn't come up at all this show, and we have to have a prediction. It's drones. What do you see in 2017, Maribel Lopez? Drones? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, So I think people have been talking about drones a lot from the consumer standpoint and how fun and cool they are, but I'm actually now starting to see people look at the business use cases um, in areas of doing things like inspections uh, that couldn't be done before. We've talked about drones for potential delivery. So I think what we're going to do, we've talked about drones for entertainment shows. Um, I think what we're going to see in 2017 is a lot of people trying to figure out how do I take drones out of being just like a cool, perhaps slightly geeky consumer toy and into something that could be relevant for the business. Business use cases, I know, I know. And, and in my opening, I talked about, we, I said we would be predicting which industries will be most impacted by the new IoT technology, the new advancements and innovations in 2017. Where will drones, any, you want to go on a limb here, uh, Maribel, where will drones see the most use beyond Amazon package delivery in, in an hour and 10 minutes or whatever, or 10 minutes uh, to the hour? Uh, any industry you think will benefit the most from drones? Um, I think any industry that is industrial, that has big equipment, that is in far-off places, uh, that you could use a drone to basically um, test the health of that. So if you look at um, oil rigs, if you look at windmills, if you look at bridges, all of these are great examples of something where someone has to go someplace that potentially could be dangerous and have to... um, do some really unnatural acts to collect the data. So now we have the opportunity to monitor and manage a lot of physical infrastructure in not just a more cost-effective way, but um, more often and at greater safety to the individual. Thank you very much. Ronan, I'm looking at your list here, and I, something just jumped out at me. My goodness, it's smart cows. You say, IIoT, Industrial Internet of Things, adaptation will come in waves, some silently and on unexpected, not-so-obvious fields. Smart cows are a huge market with almost no public coverage. Quick, one minute. What is a smart cow, Ronan? Um, it was kind of surprising to me when I first met it, but a smart cow is basically a cow that has a, a um, necklace. Or something remarked with some sort of, of electronic tax, and that uh, monitors uh, their health. So um, it monitors their health and their, their position, um, and it, sometimes there's even uh, things that allow them to, to open the gates of, uh, of the um, wherever they, where they go to, to sleep. Sorry, bad English. Um, and and it also, there's also uh, robots for milking. So uh, a smart cow can uh, be uh, left alone uh, somewhere on a green field, wandering, wandering about for, for the whole day, and uh, whenever it feels the need to, to get out the milk, it walks into uh, a small hut. There's a robot making it, and then it walks away. And, and there's been a lot of innovation done in this field in the, f- in the last few years, and nobody notices, because it's so, so far out from the usual viewpoint of of the tech community, um, but it's, it's completely under the radar. But uh, smart cows are actually a huge market because it really brings, uh, brings um, price uh, improvements and, and drives down costs for farmers. 
Thank you, Ronan. We're, Ronan, I want to yeah. thank you. We're out of time. I wanted to, I want, that's okay, dear. I wanted to say moo, but I don't want to be cute. Uh, and, and Brian Katz, I was going to ask you for one more, but I noticed you said machine learning is the new frontier. We are out of time. Maribel Lopez, such a pleasure to speak with you again. Don't be a stranger and come back more often this year, please. Ronan Zero Schwartz, a pleasure to speak with you again, too. This is like old home week here. Can't forget the old. Maribel will take a collection for that hairbrush for you, but your hair always looks beautiful in your pictures. <laughs> Brian Katz, say hello to Bandit and tell him he doesn't have to watch the door. We're leaving you alone right now. I want to do a shout-out to Ira Burke for putting together such a great panel. Ira, this was exciting for the debut of Internet of Things with Game Changers, the, the Season 4 2017 debut. Thank you. Michael at World Talk Radio Business Channel, my partner in crime, my engineer extraordinaire. Thank you, Michael. Here's my call to action. By the way, we'll be back with another live show 2 p.m. today here on the Business Channel, Think Big, Work Small, talking about cloud analytics for small to mid-sized businesses. Woohoo! Call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. If it's a designer seatbelt, does it talk to you? Is Alexa there? Who knows? But what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.